Welcome back. This is Brendan from Watch Cringe. Yeah, it's still Jay. Uh, finally doing an episode with uh, David from the story of David and Goliath. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, R.T. Custer from Vortic Watch Company here, and I appreciate the the nod to the David and Goliath. Uh, aside that, R.T. is also the defender of the American dream. Daddy Custy, CEO of the rapidly expanding Vortic Watches Empire, and the CRO of Carter and Custer Agency, Daddy Fast Foundation himself, R.T. Custer. Uh, first off, I guess wrist check. What are you wearing? So I'm wearing our new military edition. Uh, we call it the fourth edition from uh, this year. It comes out on November 11th. That's why we're here in New York checking it out. Oh, uh, I'm not wearing a watch right now. I took off mine. <laughs> <laughs> We've done four podcasts in a row today, so I am still wearing the Pepsi. <laughs> I got I got the shit end of the stick today. <laughs> you, guys, you guys just like save the worst for last. Fifty percent off sushi Mondays. Fifty percent brain power. hundred percent. We're trying. The We're rest, here. like the rest of the restaurant, though. Let me tell you, the view at this spot, gorgeous. It actually is. I I think it encapsulates New York. And the whole concrete jungle aspect. It's pretty cool. And then you like look down on, on these buildings over here. You see all like, the poor people? Well, <laughs> well <laughs> I guess you could infer that. But uh, no, the, there's like really cool like rooftop gardens and stuff mm -hmm. down there. Yeah. Um, and the water towers. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really neat. Like there's, there's whole ecosystems on top of these buildings. Yeah. It's actually really, really cool. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. This is probably the best room we've seen all day. <laughs> So, like, you've been in the watch business for how long now? Um, so we had the idea in 2011. We launched on Kickstarter in November of 2014. That's right. So it's been, I don't know, eight years or so. Gotcha. So I've looked at the podcasts that you've done and a couple of the articles as well. I don't see most of them, or at least the ones I've seen, did not mention that at one point, you were in the Christmas tree farm business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, we're going way back. I Let's like talk this. about it. Um, I grew up on a Christmas tree farm in in Reading, Pennsylvania, or near Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and it was my great grandfather that started the farm in 1941. And so I was a fourth generation entrepreneur, small business owner, and yeah, we had about 40 acres growing Christmas trees for most of my life. So, uh, yeah, with Christmas coming up, what tips uh, can you give uh, our listeners who want a really good and festive Christmas tree? Is Fraser Fear still the most baller? Um, <laughs> so it's Fraser Fur. Um, oh, there you go. And um, yeah, that's actually it's funny. That's that's my favorite type of Christmas tree. Fraser Fur is one of the best. Um, and yeah, I, I will always have a live Christmas tree, um, and we'll never get you know one of the one of the fake ones just because that's that's how I grew up, and and I want to support small businesses that are doing similar things. Um, I guess it's a lot yeah. easier to uh, sell watches though than it is trees. The the watch industry is a little easier, yep, than than the Christmas less tree business. Physical labor, <laughs> and with less seasonal. Yep, and and much less, still pretty seasonal. 
but much less seasonal, that's for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned that your grandfather was the guy's hearted. Um, I don't want to butcher it. It's Charles DeLong, right? DeLong. DeLong. Yeah, DeLong yeah, gotcha. Street Farm, yeah. And I, I remember reading a post that you had made on it saying that I hope he's proud of you because I remember reading that you're going to continue the spirit of entrepreneurship. And this is like long, long before. Um, do you think if he was here to see how you've progressed watches, you think he'd get a kick out of it? Yeah, I think he would be um, my my grandfather, my great grandfather. I mean, my my I, lo I lost my mom in in twenty twenty, and um, she was she, it was her her parents that um, and grandparents that started the farm, um, and and I'm an only child, and so I I inherited the farm. And the reason I made that post was I, I had to sell the farm because I, I couldn't operate it from Colorado, and um, I was really the only one that that knew how to knew what to do with it. Um, and so I took the funds from that and invested most of them in, in Vortec and all of the infrastructure that we have now. And so it was kind of a philosophical question of, of I hope that, that my family, um, you know, that are no longer with us would, would be looking down and, and be proud of me. And um, I know they are, uh, not necessarily for watches. You know, I think my, my family, the Christmas tree farm was always a, like a side hustle for us for, for years. You know, everyone always had another job. My grandfather worked for the state of Pennsylvania as a forester. Um, my parents both worked in advertising in, uh, in like near, closer to Philadelphia for their careers. So um, I, I think they would be proud of just the entrepreneurial spirit and the fact that um, I, I never gave up in all of my things. And I am... I wouldn't say successful, but I get closer to success every day. Um, and I think that's what entrepreneurship is all about, is just trying really hard and learning new things every day and figuring it out. So what what made you transition from, you know, or what what was going on in your mind in 2011 uh, to make you get into watches and, and say, this is what I want to do. This is the business that I want to start. Yeah, so uh, my business partner, Tyler, who you guys can, can meet uh, tomorrow or this weekend, um, He's probably landing uh, in LaGuardia right now. Um, he and I had this idea on the golf course at Penn State where we went to school. Um, and we we had a bunch of ideas around watches at that time. Um, we actually have a couple ideas that we had back then um, patented now. Um, and and we, we went on the kind of engineering side of watches and we were trying to figure out like, okay, if we're going to make a watch, we're going to make some watch-related things can we make them in America? That was like the big question that we were talking about back in 2011 when we had all these ideas. And we went down this rabbit hole of made in USA watches or lack thereof. Um, and we stumbled on the history of what we call the great American watch companies that made all these pocket watches a hundred years ago. Most people don't know that there was dozens of pocket watch manufacturing companies and hundreds of millions of pocket watches made in USA. Um, and when we learned all that, uh, we both like history, we both like, you know, how it's made and, and all that kind of stuff. And we got stuck on this concept of preserving American history and realizing that if we used the old pocket watches and made everything else, it would be as close to, if not completely, made in America as any other watch. Um, and it took us a few years, but we kind of developed the idea, worked on it, tinkered, you know, went back and forth. and. 
um, put what we call the American Artisan Series on Kickstarter in 2014, and knock on wood, we've sold every watch we've made since. Wow. Sometimes you get lucky. So I think, uh, we, Jay, you uncovered a, a business plan when in the early years of Vortec, right? Do you want to go over that? Yeah. So one of the things that I was wondering when I was looking up a little bit about Artsy was uh, why did you not stick with the original way you spelled Vortec with the capital V, little O, little R, capital T, little I, little C, and... Do you still have those designs of the bracelet stuff? Yeah, so um, what you're referencing is our original idea. And uh-huh. You must have gone deep oh, because, yeah. you know, I, I was you, deep. you I found, found the deep. dark web stuff. I found the dark web stuff. Um, I'm a little nervous about your future questions, <laughs> honestly. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's good. So, so when, when we first had the idea for Vortec, it stood for Vortex and TikTok because we invented um, a, a bracelet system that was telescoping that when you turn the bezel of the watch, it actually tightened the bracelet mm-hmm. around your wrist in tiny little increments. Yeah. Um, and we currently own the patent on that idea. It's like BOA Technologies, B-O-A. Um, BOA has that for like shoes yeah. and, and yeah. snowboard boots and golf shoes and stuff like that. Um, we own that, but on your wrist. And there's all kinds of other ways to solve that, and you know, uh, Tudor and all, even micro brands have have lots of ways with the micro adjust and all that kind of stuff. But we we had that idea in 2011 um, before a lot of that stuff existed. And um, one of our professors was just like, "Hey, this is a really cool idea. This is going to cost a fortune to figure out how to make, but you should at least try to get a patent on it." And we were awarded. Um, a patent for for that idea and um, we still have designs we have CAD designs for all that stuff we have uh, trademarks around that kind of stuff Um, but when we started trying to raise money for that idea um, because we thought it would take hundreds of thousands to at least now we know it would take millions to figure out how to research and develop this thing um, we all of the potential investors were just like all right, you two kids out of college, you've never made anything before. How the hell are you going to make this? And we got some advice to say, hey, maybe start with something a little easier to make, develop a brand, build a business, and then circle back to this thing. And um, fast forward eight years, um, or ten years, I guess, at this point, we we stumbled on what I think is an even better idea in the pocket watch conversion world, and people love what we do, and um, we just haven't had a chance to go back and even attempt making that yet. Um, and we might not, you know, it's that's just how business works. So, yeah, when I was looking this up, this was information that I was like, wait, is this actually him? Because it was a 26 page business plan. And I was like, I pretty I'm pretty sure it's him because it says RT at Vortec Watches. It just spelled kind of cool the way that you did it and the way you pivoted into pocket watches i think was a smart idea i know that one of the on your business plan you had listed the uh, pebble as a possible competitor yeah how does it feel to outlive them <laughs> i mean gosh that's a throwback you guys you guys remember pebble on kickstarter oh, yeah, I, had, I had the first you, one yeah i i i don't think i ever ordered one but i had a friend had one and we were checking it out 
Um, and yeah, we, I mean, it's, it, when, you, when you talk about that kind of stuff, it's interesting how many businesses have come and gone and how many ideas have come and gone. And that's, that's why I'm really glad we, thanks for using the word pivot. I mean, it, it was a massive pivot in, in what we decided to do. Um, but this, you know, pocket watch conversions and what we call the American Artisan Series is, I mean, just way more fun, a way easier business to, to run and, and explain to customers. Um, and we've just, we've developed a, a really awesome, like super loyal customer base, not to mention really cool product. So I would say so. And I guess just with doing all this research, I also saw that you have been quite as someone I would consider a serial entrepreneur. And so I, I wondered is what is the reason that you enjoy helping people so much? Is it the money? Is it because <laughs> I know I would enjoy the money, you know, um, I, I, I make money, not very much. I don't, Vortic pays me a very small salary. Um, Let's speak to the boss. I, I, I have lots of investors, um, who, who need to, you know, have a return on their investment at some point, And that's, that's really, you know, one focus, but, um, to, to speak to your question, I, I have lots of lots of different stuff uh, going on. Um, I, I wouldn't say serial entrepreneur because it's not like I'm going from one thing to the another. next I yet. I mean, I just haven't. I've only been an entrepreneur for ten years or so. Um, but I, I I'm multi passionate. I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, I I can't. I don't know if it's ADHD or what, but I can't do one thing and only one thing. I've I've struggled with that for a long time. And so, you know, right now I have Vortic Watch Company and then I'm co-owner of an advertising agency because um, during the pandemic, honestly, I thought people were going to stop buying luxury wristwatches, you know, during a global pandemic. It's like I thought we were screwed. You know, who's going to buy a $5,000 watch right. on the Internet when people are dying? And so I was like, what other skills do I have? How can I save Vortic? with my, my personal skills and I was running all of our Facebook ads and doing all that kind of stuff myself and I was like, well, I can help people move their business online. And so I spooled up an agency real quick um, and that did, that and Vortec took off <laughs> in 2020. Um, and, and so I recently sold half of that agency to my friend Jim, basically merged with another company so I could have less to do and less on my plate. Um, and we started a mastermind, um, which, you know, is a whole other conversation, but, um, to your point, I, I really like helping new entrepreneurs, um, because I'm really passionate about, like, it took me 10 years to figure all this stuff out. If I can help someone do Expedited. what I did in two years instead of 10, you know, the world needs more entrepreneurs and more people that want to work hard like us. Um, you know, you guys doing this many interviews in a day, like it's, it's hard work doing this kind of stuff. So the world needs more people like that. And the best I can do to support that, that's what I want to do. It's badass. So did you have a background in marketing or in whatever? Like, cause you, you said that you handled your Facebook like ads or whatever marketing and stuff yourself. Did you have a background in marketing or did you just have a knack for it? Well, um, I grew up uh, watching the Super Bowl with my parents, and they would mute the football game and turn it turn back on, on when the, the commercial ads came on. Yeah, they yeah. they were both um, 
for their entire careers, um, basically like madmen, you know, like, like very branding and advertising at a high level. They work for Leo Burnett in Chicago, which is one of the most, oh, wow. the biggest ad agencies um, for their early in their career. And so um, I just grew up around that stuff. That's all like that was dinner table conversation is like, why does Coke do this? Why does Pepsi do that? You know, like it's, it's really fun um, to think about those conversations I had with my parents. And then in the early days of Vortec, we tried five different advertising agencies, you know, trying to pay other people to figure that out for us. And they all sucked. So I just was like, let me try to do this myself. Um, and it's not hard. I mean, Facebook ads, you just have to know what you're doing. There's a certain science behind it. Um, it's much harder now in, in like 2017, 18, when I was doing it, it was way easier. So and you're thinking so, yeah. for like, for selling watches, you're thinking like, you know, male 30s lives with his mom still <laughs> you know has troubles dating women that's yeah. that's like your target audience pretty much yeah just put a really beautiful girl in the ad and then they click on it right i mean that's yeah, yeah, yeah yep <laughs> it's funny because when i was when i was doing facebook ads the targeting was a lot easier um facebook with all the algorithm changes they they got rid of a lot of the targeting like you used to be able to say i want to target people that make at least six figures now they won't let you see that kind of data. They know how much we all make, but they won't let us access that as advertisers. And so advertising on Facebook got a lot more difficult. Um, now you have to trust the algorithm a lot more. And so what you do is, is you use lookalike audiences. So I take my email list of everyone that's purchased a watch or signed up for our list that meets our criteria, clearly they're customers, and I upload their email addresses into Facebook and I say, find me people like this. Because Facebook knows a lot of data on those people. Um, and it's not individual, like their, their customer information is safe um, because it's already there anyway. Um, Facebook plugs that in and says, okay, if, if the average demographics of this thousand people is XYZ, go find me a hundred thousand people that are like that and then show them the advertisement. Seems like it's gone a lot more complex, dude. I mean... It's way less fun when you just have to trust algorithms yeah. and software to, to do its job. It's way more fun to have more control. But That's why I'd never drive a Tesla. I don't trust the machine. <laughs> I mean, that's why we all like uh, mechanical watches, right? Yeah. Yeah, these watches won't... Uh, they won't tell you any information about they yourself. They won't shut and... down if you don't pay your car bill. They sure won't. Sure as fuck it won't. You hear that, Chris? Because uh, for those who don't know, Chris is the proud new owner of an uh, expensive as fuck Tesla. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. So. <clears throat> Everybody's entitled to their opinions. I've driven the Tesla a couple of times. And I think they're really cool. You gotta be careful, and you gotta be careful in those RT. <laughs> it's but but they, they there's a lot of data, and they're definitely selling that data. They're like, oh yeah, where'd you park? How long did you stay there? Where'd you charge? Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff. I think my favorite feature of that of the Tesla is the fart machine that that has built oh, into yeah. the software. That's just professionally done. It was very good. I was I was surprised when uh one of our friends used it. And I was like, I, I swear to God, I didn't fart. <laughs> um, so you're someone who's built quite a lot as far as your portfolio goes of like, just work. Uh, how do you find the proper amount of time to give to each project? Because um, running a watch company as 
we've all seen uh, takes up a huge amount of time, but you've managed to not only run a successful one, but also maintain multiple businesses with incredible quality still on your products. It seems almost unfair <laughs> that you're able to do that. So how how do you manage your time? And I still see you spend time with your family. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I also, also have a, a beautiful partner, Lindsay, and, and two, two little kids. boys, three and five, Sawyer yeah. and Wesley, and, and I try to spend time, as much time as I can with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's So the, the real answer to your question is um, work-life balance and that whole concept is absolute bullshit. Um, the, the word balance to me as an entrepreneur, and I think a lot of people feel this way and they might be a little afraid to say it, but... Um, Balance is really boring. Um, I I prefer the term integration. Like you just you just figure it out. You know, like my, my partner Lindsay and I talk about work at dinner. Like when we're having a date, we just we both are entrepreneurs. We both like this stuff. We're talking about it all the time. Um, and if you find partners, both you know life partners, business partners, team um, that just support that and know who you are and accept you for who you are and not make it shameful that you're working a lot and you like to work um then then you can you know pave a path towards towards more of that like integration and and stuff like that um the the real answer to your question on how is is other people um i i i I like to say and i'll quote my friend who said it recently um i'm not working i'm creating like I am always creating something new and I get to because I'm the visionary for all my projects. Um, I'm just the idea guy. I have some crazy ideas. I bring them back to the team. My business, I have a business partner in everything that I do. I'm never alone in that. Um, and most of my business partners are more on the operations and integration side. Logistics. And yeah, and so they, they take my crazy ideas and help me filter the ones that actually might work. And then they help me find more team to, to execute it. Um, Vortec, for for instance, has seven, soon to be eight people on on our full time salaried staff, um, and so it takes a lot of other people and 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 smart humans um, to do that kind of stuff. The agency, I think, we have forty two, um, mostly contractors, um, and then the the masterminds run by a team of four of us. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a lot of other things going on. Um, and so that's, that's the thing I, I think I'm the most proud of is not actually building the business, but in like finding really awesome people to surround myself with, um, that don't make me feel crazy for having lots of things and lots of ideas. I mean, that's something that I had seen with fa- your, with your new one, Fast Foundations, is just kind of the collective of people you kind of surround yourself with. It's uh, it's like a bunch of yous. Yeah. Well, you are the collection of the five people you spend the most time with. And so if you hang out with lazy people, you become lazy. If you hang out with people that do really cool entrepreneurial things and are, I don't want to say hustling, but like they're okay with working a lot, um, then then that's your new normal that's that's okay now so you mentioned you had a pretty big staff how many watches are you guys selling a year man so we'll 
We average for the last few years about 400 watches um, that we manufacture. Um, we've sold up until about June of this year, we've sold 100% or more of what we make. <laughs> um, sales started to slow, I think, with the talks of recession and stuff like that uh, earlier this year. Um, but, you know, I, I think I have the most inventory I've ever had right now. We have like 52 pieces in stock. And how long does it take to do a conversion, typically? Well, um, we work a four-day work week at Vortec. Um, Days? 10 hour days 18 actually yeah at, at and least they're all children actually yeah <laughs> that's, that's how you make things in america you just you pay them two dollars an hour yeah. yeah you give them ice cream so it's yeah. not work you're not paying them it's just it's about to start yeah. oh for sure yeah, yeah. Um, he, when he said integrated he meant his family his kids are on the, the factory floor my my kids want uh sawyer he's five he, he wants to start a youtube channel because all he nice. does is, is watch what, what we all do, you know, creating yeah. content. Um, you can look at our channel and know what no, not to do. Yeah, don't do I'll send him your way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not what to do. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's um, it, you know, so I, I think the, the process of making one watch, like if we took the whole factory and every single one of us and aligned on let's just make one watch, we could, we could do it in hours. Um, but... That's not how it works. We do everything in batches. And so um, right now, we have a few different lines of product. We have our watch of the day program. So six days a week, uh, Monday through Saturday, we release one new one-of-a-kind watch every day at 12 noon. And so that's, that's six watches a week. You know, uh, we're trying to get to seven, so that'd be 365 watches a year. And that's because we're the only company in the world that can do that. You know, every single watch is unique. So why not come out with a new piece of content? I mean, you guys do content every single day at 12 noon. This, I love marketing guys, like this is my shit. So like when, <laughs> when we had, and we, and we had that idea, like Tyler and I had that idea in 2020 because um, when shit hit the fan with the pandemic, um, at that time in like 2019, 20, early 2020, we were making them to order. So people would like, they would say, hey, I want a titanium case for my white dial pocket watch with a black strap. Um, and I want this custom engraving. And we would be like, okay, that'll be, you know, $2,995 and six months. And then they'd have to pay in full upfront and wait four to six months typically. Um, in the pandemic, with the unknown of the whole world, people didn't want to wait even six weeks. I mean, you guys, there's so many limited editions that sold out like instantly yeah. in that time of year. And that's when we had this idea. We're like, it's this, we're making about one watch a day. So why don't we just sell one watch a day? And it took a lot of systems and processes and more people because every single watch is unique. They all needed their own photo shoot. They all need to be built one of a kind, you know, it's a lot of work. But that's the best idea we've ever had because um, for 2020 and 2021, especially, they sold in minutes. Like we, at 12 noon mountain time, like we, we had hundreds of people like on their computer every day trying to click the button to buy that. And nobody could see it until that, that hour. Um, and we still do that. So every six days a week, that's what we do. Um, and then on November 11th, also at 12 noon mountain time, so November 11th is Veterans Day, we release the military edition. And we started that in 2019, and we make a 50-piece limited edition set. 
and these watches were flown on B bombers in World War II. So it's like the ultimate piece of military history. We only do it one day a year, and those sell out in hours or days. You know, this will be our fourth time this year. So, so with those we'll with those modules that you're taking out, I mean, I'm assuming they have like radium on the dial on the handset. We we avoid um, radium as much as we can. The military ones did not. The, this particular model, they didn't use radium okay. on these. But you guys have um, dealt with radium before? Yeah, anytime we see it, we um, just dispose of it properly. We get it out of, of the workshop. Um, okay. I actually know a lot about the science behind that. I need to so talk we, to you because I have a dirty dozen a, a record. Cool. And I was like reading, like it has radium on it. Yeah. And I was like, ah, eh, it's probably safe. So That's I didn't, uh, yeah. And like, oh, you know, we're sniffing it around with Don Cocker and just joking around. And then I was like, huh, maybe I should like research this a bit. <laughs> well, it wasn't a guy, it was actually a radon gas detector. Yep. detector. And so yeah. it was like, I don't know if the device was working properly, but I had set it up in my bed, totally fine. I put it near the wash and it was like going crazy. Yeah. And, I was, and it was like, yeah, 10 or something way over yeah. the limit. And I was like, I so need to get out of here there, now. There's a lot of history behind that stuff. I mean, that you know, you probably know the story of the Radium Girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, a yeah. lot of, lot of uh, unfortunate history there. One interesting fact about that, and this, like, that's why we do what we do. Like, we're historians, especially about American watch companies. So um, the Radium Girls are one of the core reasons that OSHA exists today. Um, oh, so. Interesting. I don't want to say fun fact because obviously that's a really bad thing, but interesting fact about that time. But radium is dangerous in two ways. One is if you ingest it. So if you touch it and then, you know, um, somehow get it in your nose or your mouth, it, it will harm you from the inside physically. For like... Ever. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, the particles, the, they, you can't get rid of them. Um, your body can't process it, um, so it causes cancer. And then um, radium, when it interacts with oxygen, creates radon. And that's the thing that most people don't think about. And so if you exactly. put, like, most people think, like, oh, if I put the crystal back on and I don't touch the dial, I'll be totally fine. Well, um, that radium is interacting with the oxygen inside the watch, inside your safe, your safe, your watch safe or your bedroom is being filled with radon gas. Um, and that radon slowly, gas turns into lead eventually, right? Radon has, radon gas has the particles in it and the particles are again like, like radium. They, um, they get into your lungs and you can't, your body can't process it. And so it's like why people do the radon mitigation in basements. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a lot of radon naturally in the ground. Yeah. And I don't, you know, anyone that's listed, like, I don't want to scare people. Like it's not, it takes years to, to have enough from one watch to have enough radon to hurt you. But as a manufacturing company that deals with that stuff, working we, in we just, as soon as we see them, we take them out of the building, we get rid of them because obviously that could be a long-term issue for us. Could I send you my watch and you guys could check you, it you out can, You can send me an email about it and I will find, a, there are watchmakers that look right on in the I face and say, I don't care, and they just do it I anyway. I want you to physically do it because I trust you. <laughs> I, 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 if you trust me, you'll trust the people that I trust, and so I'll find you someone. We, we sure. found someone on eBay who was charging $20. No. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> like, actually, I'm not even joking. We actually did find someone on eBay who was like, I'll send me your Radeon watch. I'll reloom it or whatever, and I'll dispose of it. Oh, this dude's like scraping it off into the garbage. Bucks. He's like, <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's just getting in it all his over. Kitchen, dude. Yeah, yeah he's like, fine. he's got sandpaper in his kitchen. Holy he's just like, shit! No, that's people that don't know. It, it, it's scary. And then there's some 
some watchmakers that, I mean, if you're set up properly and you have the right um, abatement tools and filtration and stuff like that, um, HEPA air filters will remove the part, uh, particulate. Yeah, please so, go get some. Yeah, there's there's options. Some watchmakers lo actually really like that stuff because, um, well, it's, it's good because you're preserving it. You're not just throwing it away like most people do. I see. Yeah, because... Because what happened was, so he has it. Now he took the watch ASAP as soon as that counter went nuts. He ran to his shed, left the watch in the shed, and haven't been to it since. <laughs> yeah, and just to give a full description, I used two Ziploc bags and two plastic containers. And I told my friend Dan, who smokes cigarettes, not to light a match in there because it's going to cause an atomic bomb. <laughs> It's pretty accurate, honestly. Uh, so I guess I want to get back to a little bit more on RT before we wrap this up. So, or I guess on Vortec. Um, Vortec has been well-loved by the community. Everyone knows them. Um, everyone knows you. So Vortec has 51 Google reviews. All of them are five stars. How many of those are real? <laughs> Google, I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can fake. Well, I guess you could. You could fake a Google. I don't think I can delete them. So, to my knowledge, a hundred percent of them are real. Oh! Unless you find one that has my name on it, maybe I wrote myself a review <laughs> in twenty fourteen. <2014. laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, he's a marketing guy. He already said it. <laughs> you know, you gotta try. That's like you gotta try everything once. Um, but. But yeah, all all those are all those are legit. We got a bunch of great Facebook reviews, and then there's a ton of reviews on our on our website. Just uh, your reviews in general are like all incredibly good. I don't think I read one bad one out of like a million pages. Just looking up the brand, we we have a lot of of customers that, I mean, at one point, I did I looked back, and I think it was from 2017 to 2020. Um, if you bought one Vortec watch, you had a 50% chance of buying a second Vortec watch within 12 months. That's the stat. Like our, our repeat customer rate during those few years was insane. I mean, just massive. Uh, and that's, you know, they're not inexpensive. So I, that, that fact surprised me, but I see it all the time. I see the same names popping up on our Shopify, people buying two, three, four, five. Is it it's mostly cool. people in America or do you ship out, out of the North, North America? I would say 90 5% of our business is North America. Um, we ship one or two a month outside of the U.S. Um, Canada um, and Australia are probably our two biggest. And, and mostly, it seems, I've, I've had a few conversations with, with those customers, and a lot of them are expats. Um, they're Americans living in another country. And they just they like you know what we do, um, but it's home. it's similar to you know you guys talked to Dufresne you know and, and he was he was saying how like a lot of people have a connection to Austin and, and that's the kind of where they get inspired by I think it's a lot of people connect with either American made or just American history um, and that's what why they like our watches and that makes sense. And um, where do you source all these the movements? Like, is that always is that something that you're you keep secret? 
No. Yeah. I mean, I, there's really no secrets in, in our business. Um, it, I mean, maybe some like trade secrets of how we restore the mechanisms, but that's mostly just because there's not very many watchmakers in the world um, that can do this. But um, where, where we do, we get most of our pocket watches from estate auctions. Um, so every day, a pawn shop or a jewelry store goes out of business somewhere in the States. Um, and unfortunately, there's probably a box of pocket watches or movements sitting in the back somewhere, especially pawn shops. They're scrapping the gold and silver cases. And so well, from pawn shop auctions, we get just the, the dials, hands, and the movements, which is all we need. And that's where a lot of them come from. And we feel great about that because, you know, the, the case is gone. Like the history's like it's just in that mechanism now. And so we can upcycle it. Um, and so that's where a lot of them come from. We, we have basically, uh, if anyone's ever seen American Pickers on the History Channel, there's there's pickers like that. We have people like that. You, we were talking about one person that does that on a small scale. I have a few that do it on a large scale. Um, and, and so people send us pocket watches from all over in little boxes and, and we find them new homes. And then, and then I go to auctions, um, and participate in online auctions for like the really rare high end stuff. So have you ever found like a pocket watch that was just like solid gold movement or anything like precious metal, like something crazy like that? Most of the gold in these was in the cases. Um, they, they decorated a lot of the cases. There's some really cool stuff, like some prototypes, um, that the like Waltham watch company made in like the late 1800s that were sapphire bridges and plates. So it was basically a totally clear movement, and it was so that they could show off like how they made it and how it worked. This what, what um, decade was this? This was the late 1800s. Um, it was Crazy. it's insane, and they're most of them are in museums because they're worth. I, we would never turn one into a into a wristwatch. You, you kind of we, we would get we would get killed. Someone though. would find it's, us and kill us. A um, bit. Maybe you had the picker break into I mean, that museum. I mean, yeah, but but those are. Yeah. yeah, those those are in like yeah, those are in solid gold cases typically, and or, or like a, a sapphire. You know that they're beautiful. Um, and there's there's a couple auction houses that specialize in really high end American pocket watches. You ever um, dealt with Antiquorum? I haven't. Um, sure. I was <laughs> I was going to mention um, Jones and Haran Auction House in uh, New Hampshire. Um, they're just good people. Oh. I actually, that's not the first time I've heard of them. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're. They're. If you want a very rare high-end wristwatch or pocket watch that's like vintage or or antique, um, they're. I think the the best. Um, gotcha. Without going to one of the huge auction houses. Yeah. Um, like you can actually speak to a, person to a person, and they tell you the whole history, and they're just really nice and kind and good people, and. You know, they're not gouging anyone, so I, I love them. Gotcha. Yeah, stick to, like, local. Don't use Antiquorum. So, since you're you got, a watch person... You got my whole, the whole rest of my bio in there. <laughs> little scared, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, a little... Since you're a watch person yourself, do you have any watches that aren't pocket watch conversions in your personal collection? I have a couple cool... Um, I, I'm a one-of-a-kind person. Like, oh, he's a piece um, unique guy. I, I like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, um, and what we, what we call these is conversation pieces. Oh, know, yeah. Uh, something that has a story, something that's different. Um, my friend Lee Dowell has a company called Schmutz Watches. Um, he's in Texas now. 
Um, and I'll, I'll send you guys the link, but I, and I, I don't know how, he doesn't make very many watches, but they're hand-painted dials. Like it's the shape of a canvas, it's like a rectangle, and it looks like a piece of art on your wrist, like literally somebody hand-painted an abstract art and put it on your wrist. So I have, I have one or two of those, I just thought they were cool. Um, and then I found this guy years ago called Tree Ring. It's, it's literally Tree Ring watches. And he found these trees in Montana. I think he's in Bozeman. But the trees grow really slowly. And so when the tree's 100 years old, it's still just this big, like the shape of a dial. Um, and so he cuts it. And then if you guys have seen tree rings, like you can count the rings. And oh. so he engraves like how old it is. You know, this, this tree That's... was planted in 1941, 1952. Um, and he does a lot of cool stuff with like, you know, if your parents were born in this year, like they're, they're mostly like 70 to 90 years old or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, they're know, 42 millimeter watches. So the dial is, is just like the perfect little, and it's just a little tree ring. And obviously with my history with trees, I just thought that was cool. Um, so I have, I have a few things, um, like that, that are, that okay. are just different. Um, I don't have any big brand no uh, modern watches. No. no Rolex. Nothing worth talking about. No. I don't know, man. I feel like all watches are worth talking about at some point. Yeah, I mean, to me, yeah. I, yeah. I, everybody, like I said, everybody's entitled to, to to their opinion. My opinion is I like Vortex. Except watches, Josh's so. Seiko Astron. <laughs> that one sucks. Uh, so I guess we're getting to the wrap up here. Uh, one, I want to thank you for sitting down with us and entertaining yeah. us. Uh, it was fun researching you. It seems it seems like it. Uh, you, you got, you got, you got so, deep. So when another question, man. When is the Vortic X Hamilton collaboration happening? Um I really thought they were gonna be at, at one of these windups and they would just put like the, the Warren and Wound team would next just put you. Hamilton right next to us and we would just like make friends. Um, I really thought that was gonna happen. I just thought that'd be funny for like the industry, like anyone who kind of like if you know, you know, 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 just really funny. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, with Hamilton, we're good. It was, it was Swatch that sued us. Um, and and I, I, I don't think there's any partnerships coming. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know anyone in that in that space. But uh, you ever just always be down to have a conversation with them. You ever just want to take like an Omega moon swatch and then turn it back into like a pocket watch. <laughs> we should, I think that could, new line right there, marketing. Boom. We actually get a lot of questions if we can make a pocket watch. Cause, um, some of my customers have said, nobody makes like a really nice pocket watch anymore. Yeah, Cause no one fucking uses them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, when that's, that's my really, guy. that's, that's really my, He's like, my point. <laughs> <laughs> he wants his uh, his little best to have a fucking pocket watch thing on it. Hey, it might come back around. Uh, so Chris has a really cool pocket watch, and I actually was wondering. So he has a pocket watch that was owned by Monsanto. Cool. The guy who ruined the world. <laughs> oh, not cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Tiffany, and I was wondering, is that something that you could convert into a pocket watch? If it was a Tiffany Hamilton, um, like made in USA... Because that that was a thing for a little while. Oh. Um, then yes, um, if it's a Swiss-made Tiffany, um, which are really cool and probably more valuable, um, then it's a no. So we Vortic specializes in American pocket watches, 
we have all the engineering and technology gotcha. to take almost any American pocket watch within reason and turn it into a wristwatch. But if it was not made in America roughly 80 to 100 years ago, then it's out of scope for us. Damn right, because these colors don't bleed, baby. <laughs> That's a true patriot. It's just, well, there's there's so much history um, in in that. But um, really, the big thing is is in the early 1900s, like in that, in that realm when all these pocket watches were made, um, the Americans were mass producing everything. We were making thousands of the same thing. And so for what we do now, 100 years later, we can find spare parts. We oh, can I fix see. them easier. Like there's, it's just way more achievable. In Switzerland, it was still the cottage industry. So like these were handmade. One gear of, of that pocket watch would be different than even the next one off the line that they made. Because um, they were mostly handmade back then, or at least in small batches. And so to find spare parts for things like that and offer a warranty, um, it, it all just kind of falls apart. So that's why we focus on the American watches. They were just a lot more standardized and easier to work with. Awesome. Well, thanks, RT. Um, well, one, again, I want to thank you for letting us entertain you even after you've listened to an episode of the show. Um, usually that's a, as soon as someone listens to an episode, that's it. They're not going to, they usually ghost us. <laughs> but you're here. You sat down with us. Uh, also, everyone check out his work. It's at VortecWatches.com. And if you're on Instagram, which you should be, check out Vortic Watches also. And there's like, he got a million things. You want to shout out one of them? Fast Foundations is one that I've really enjoyed. Just Thanks. kind of watching you do it. It's cool. Not like in the creepy. fucking creepy way. <laughs> Holy shit. Is it, is it creepy because we're in a really small hotel room? Is yes. That, is it, it just makes it more creepy? I I just feel blessed. Like you did See a lot that? of homework on me. Like that's really cool. I, you don't I even really know. He might that. have an air, uh, an air tag in his bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You get that, get that alert every time you leave the room. Oh, you left, <laughs> left something behind. RT's leaving. Anyways, guys, um, hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. Yeah, thanks for coming, guys. I appreciate it. No, it was fun. Super. All right, there y'all. See y'all.